Hi everyone and a warm welcome to the Code First Girls podcast. I'm Anna Brailsford, the CEO of Code First Girls, and we're bringing this to you uh, from lockdown, which is very exciting. This podcast series will be a space for us to share conversations about technology, diversity and inclusion, as well as career developments and entrepreneurship. So today being our first ever podcast, we wanted to welcome a very special guest and someone we know very well at Code First Girls, Selena Pavan, Director of Technology and Architecture at Bank of America. Just to give you some context around uh, Bank of America and our relationship, Code First Girls has been working with Selena in the bank for well over five years now. They've consistently demonstrated their commitment to providing opportunity for women in tech. More recently, through the third iteration of the Code First Girls FinTech Mentoring Scheme, Bank of America invited 34 Code First Girls alumni remotely to meet Bank of America technologists to ask questions and receive guidance about pursuing a career in FinTech. FinTech is quite frankly exploding in the UK. So this is a rapid growing space with lots of opportunity for women to explore career opportunities. Selena, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you feeling? I'm pretty excited about your podcast series. I can't wait to hear who else is on coming up after me. Selena, I'd love to get a bit more uh, of a perspective Mm -hmm. on how you got where you are today uh, and what you do at the bank. So I work as a um, software architect and the analogy kind of I usually give to people who know nothing about financial services is we're like a very huge supermarket and we buy and sell financial products instead of food. Um, We build software, bespoke software the front office systems. So these are the systems that we use to help our clients buy and sell financial instruments. They could be stocks, derivatives, and we have systems that allow our customers to shop. We communicate loads of millions of messages every day, crunch billions of data points, you know, think about how we want to display that data and actually move the money around the world, make sure those payments happen. And do this all with, you know, in line with the appropriate regulations that we have to comply with. So it's a really complex environment and it's really exciting at the same time. The thing that um, when I started out and um, I didn't really know about banking when I started working was really the information in the news affecting what I'm doing with my systems every day. So just to give you an idea of scale, uh, we have Bank of America has enough network fiber to go around the world 7.5 times, which kind of blows my mind when I I think about that. And if we compare ourselves to some of the kind of uh, platforms that we all know and love, so Twitter, I love, you know, they have about 6,000 tweets per second, and we have to send about 7 million data messages. We have to quote, you know, make prices on our financial products five billion quotes a day as well. And then the amount of data, like, you know, you must guess we've got like 35 petabytes of data. It's just mind-bogglingly huge. And what I actually do, I help our team's kind of strategies understand what do we do, what's our functionality that we're building out of these systems, and then make sure that with um, our architectural designs, you know, how we're structuring these systems, how they talk to each other, security, the resiliency that we have to think about, those guidelines 
we're all building in the same way. Because all technologists love to build things. And we've, in, in my particular department that I work with, we've over got you know, thousands of technologists going in the same direction to make sure the investment we make in technology makes sense. So that's my job. What what a job, Selena. Two things that really strike me from from what you've just said is just how important technology is to the bank and the way in which it's applied. It's exciting. It's cutting edge. It sounds like your role is incredibly varied. It sounds like there are reactions to what's happening socially as well in terms of the markets and then how the markets interact with technology. How, How does it feel to be at the hub of something like that? It can feel quite daunting, to be honest. So I, I distinctly remember my first job thinking, how on earth am I going to learn all this stuff? It's very easy for imposter syndrome to kick in. But what you have to realize is that we're a team at Bank of America. Everyone has different experiences to bring. So you learn from each other. It's it's not something that you should be intimidated by because you've got lots of great people around you that you can learn from and question things. And asking questions is probably the most important thing, you know, in starting out in your career. And how did you get into this? You know, when, when you were a child, did you know this was going to be the path for you? I didn't, I didn't realise at all. I really loved art. Um, my, my earliest memories are thinking that I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I only really started enjoying maths at A-level. I didn't study computer science at school. I went to school a long time ago in the 90s. Uh, I was in all-girls grammar school. We didn't have computer science even offered, but it was offered at the boys' school over the road. And this is funny for anyone who's done chemistry or physics A-level. My experiments just did not work. I broke thermometers. I, I, I just couldn't get the straight line of your graphs in, in physics. And I just thought I can't spend my university days in a lab with everything just go, going wrong. So I thought, you know what, I like maths now. And actually, computers don't go wrong, do they? So that was my kind of decisioning process at, at that time. It's amazing that, that women, you know, didn't have access to this type of provision. The, the boys had it, the girls' school didn't. And I was going to ask you, actually, did you have a computer? What was your first computer? It wasn't actually mine. It was my dad's. He bought back an Amstrad, I think in the 80s. I can't even remember what model it was. And we did some little bit of programming. I got some books and kind of copied, copied it out. But I really, I wasn't a geek at all. You went on to study computing at Imperial College um, at a time when, you know, even fewer women uh, were in the tech sector. What was that experience like? It was an all-consuming experience. It felt tougher studying a subject that I had no, you know, I had no programming experience before and I was surrounded by people who did. Looking back, the women that were studying the course, I think, and myself included, we were fearless. We weren't intimidated. And I guess the sad thing is we just accepted the disparity and just got on with it. I think there were many other departments like that, maths, physics, and and the rest of the engineering departments had the same issue, but we just got on with it. And I think I wish sometimes that I could go back to that person because I think I've lost some of my fearlessness as I've got older. There's a sense, I'm, I'm getting the sense that those kind of early experiences and you know, the women that, that you met through that process really helped to shape you, particularly around all of the efforts that we see every day uh, from yourself and, and Bank of America around 
leading the charge for diversity and inclusion. How much do you think those early experiences has led to your your sense of readdressing the balance today and, and you know, making a, a, an amazing culture and, and sort of workplace? What's really driven me is that I realised my expectations of myself were not as high as they should be. In my career at Bank of America, I've been able to travel the world. I've been able to do way more things than I ever imagined. And I don't want that to... I don't want people's expectations as they're growing up to be to be low. And that's what really drives me. Is there's so much talent out there that we're not tapping into um, because they didn't have the door of opportunity or luck. And luck played a lot in my career. Talking about you know, supportive workplaces and, and how important it is to support women, not just at the earlier stages of their career, but the later stages of their career as well. Did did you have a mentor early in your career? I really relied on my managers. I wish I had more people that I could rely on as a, a, a mentor to go to to handle difficult situations that I was facing if a certain interaction I wasn't very happy with or whether it was, you know, how do I get ahead in my career? Because I think, you know, having those mentors at the start will help you get that different perspective. The work that we're doing with Bank of America and Code First Girls with the FinTech mentoring scheme, it's driven me to make sure that people have access to a network, that they can ask questions and get that wider perspective that I just didn't have. I really do get the sense that right now, and I think during this crisis, it's somewhat of a lifeline to a lot of women. I feel as though maybe now more than ever before, uh, we need to be creating these types of initiatives to to support young women throughout this crisis. Absolutely. Sometimes you've got you've got all the skills, you've got all the qualifications, but sometimes you just need that gentle nudge and someone to believe in you that you can do it to get you over the line. Mentoring is not the fairy godparent coming in and waving that magic wand over you to say you will go to the ball. We all kind of wish that would happen, but that's not going to. It's just a way of that just little push to get you there and to believe in yourself when there's so much negative press about the economy, 24-7 news saying, you know, a lot of doom and gloom. But hopefully, you know, seeking out the mentor people that you get on with, you respect, they've got, you know, more experience than you. They can have a different perspective. It's all going to help. It's uh, it's really funny. I was actually looking back the other day at some uh, feedback forms from some former candidates that uh, went through um, your FinTech mentoring scheme uh, with us. And there was this uh, fantastic quote uh, from a young woman where she said that she expected the mentors to be superheroes. But actually what she found yeah. were some incredibly authentic people with real stories and, you know, stories maybe potentially about their own failure and their own journey and that sense of being human and sharing those stories to support other women, I think, is, is incredibly important. Exactly. We can get intimidated by a lot of, you know, superstars, super duper Women being profiled as, you know, role models, they've done X, Y, Z on this board. And what we don't hear is the kind of the tough bits, 
of their journey and the failures, um, because we always want to hear, you know, the kind of the perfect kind of career path. In all the discussions, what you learn the most from is when you fail. I think that's, you know, something that mentorship can help you kind of see. I agree. I think uh, sometimes you learn more from failure. I know for this fintech mentoring scheme, we were absolutely inundated with applications from really, really high quality potential candidates. Just uh, leveraging off what you what you just said now, do you maybe have any any message for for young women, you know, who might be listening to this? You might be struggling right now with the the environment around COVID and and wanting to get their first job in technology. I think, you know, we need you. The technology industry does need you. We need your skill sets. Stay strong. It's about practicing your interview skills, getting people to help you and kind of advise on what your current portfolio is. Do you have a portfolio that you can present um, in terms of what work you've done? Make sure your LinkedIn profile is up to date and fully filled out so you're at the top of those LinkedIn searches when people go out and people can look at what you've done um, and what you're aspiring to. Also, use your peer network. You know, Code First Girls have got a lot of alumni who are working in different companies that you might want to, to work out. So think about how you can leverage that amazing network of 15,000 members, I think, Anna. Went to 17 recently. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 17, awesome. In terms of mentorship, I, I, I want some of you maybe your, your top tips or, or advice about how mentorship actually works. Mentorship is something all the listeners are already doing right now. So we do a lot already for our friends. Usually we have a close group of friends and we give advice to each other. So you're already kind of doing it. So if you think about like formal mentorship, is kind of a relationship with you and someone else with some degree of separation to do this. You really need to think upfront what you want to get out of the mentorship. If you go in without any goal, then you know the relationship will kind of, I guess, kind of fizzle out because you're not sure what you're supposed to be asking. So you do need to do some prep work before you kind of think about going for a mentor. And you know, think about who do you admire, respect. You know, who's been successful, right? And I'm not talking about Michelle Obama, right? I'm talking about people <laughs> that you know and can, can, can talk to and got the connection. I have her on speed dial, Selena. <laughs> All right, can you, can you give her a number and then give her a call? Don't be afraid of asking because actually being asked to be a mentor is an absolutely huge compliment. So don't be afraid to ask. And if they say no, they don't have enough time. You, you kind of know worse off, right? So be brave. You will probably get more yeses than noes. And remember, you don't have to take the advice, right? The mentorship is just about suggestions. Ultimately, it will be up to you whether you want to take it or not. And mentorship actually goes both ways. You know, there's a lot that being a mentor, especially in the, the fintech kind of scheme that we've got with Bank of America, is that the mentor will get as much out of the relationship developing someone as the mentee in terms of understanding what it's like to be searching for jobs at the moment in the current job market. You are giving something back in terms of that relationship too. I just wanted to maybe touch on that a little bit more, this sense of a, a reciprocal growth process. 
well, I think a lot of people sometimes think that mentorship is just one way. When actually yeah. uh, what we've seen in a lot of schemes is, is it's a two-way growth process. And yeah. through that growth process, what you can actually start to see is through understanding each other's perspective by understanding that and empathizing with that, we can actually start to see and support um, some level of behavioral change. I mean, yeah. talking about it from a kind of uh, an organizational perspective for a second, I, I feel as though we are constantly talking about how to create more mm-hmm. inclusive and supportive organizational cultures. And there's a, a real sense to me that yeah. you know, my Bank of America investing in these types of schemes where you can actually see growth between the mentor and the mentee and you know empathy and behavioral change. Really, what the bank is doing is investing in an inclusive and supportive culture. Yes. I mean, we have also um, at Bank of America mentoring schemes within the organization as well. It's something that I think every organization, probably most organizations do that internally. Uh, but I'm, you know, what one thing that's really exciting is the efforts that we do um, outside the firm as well um, with our communities. Obviously, this will be the first time that we've run this mentorship scheme in a in a virtual capacity. Um, you know, through the effects of COVID, meeting up and ensuring those conversations are happening face to face is just not going to be a possibility this year. Do you think there will be a difference in terms of outcomes? Is this still, you know, worth the same level of of, of effort? Absolutely. This is, as we said, crucial for us to maintain and give advice and support for the Code First Girls community at this time. Virtually, we'll make it a slightly different experience, but I hope and I think that the advice doesn't change. The story, the sharing of stories won't change. And I suspect for our mentors who are normally extremely busy and meeting kind of physically uh, in person it, this may may actually be easier for us to make sure that every single meeting takes place it feels like there might be um you know some greater time and and maybe even moments for reflection you're right well we're not traveling the world and we're not you know desperately trying to uh, get to, to sort of face-to-face meetings that maybe there can be a little bit more uh, quality time yes and I hope that goes for the men, mentees as well. Um, Celine, you're obviously one of the most, um, you know, an, an incredibly successful woman in your own right and at the, the bank. At your stage in your career, how important is it to still have that support system? You know, like I mentioned earlier, I've got Michelle Obama about to <laughs> guide me through. But w- what's your support system like? It's huge. So behind every success story, there is a support system and you don't assume anyone, anyone, male or female, does it on their own without help. Um, I've got an amazing partner who supports me. He does 50-50 in the house and with childcare. This is kind of like my Oscars thank you speech. Two, two look at um, five and eight. They, they, they understand when I have to travel as well as my extended family. There's a lot of support there. Bank of America has done amazing amount of 2020, the firm has been amazing because they've really understood, you know, I've got two kids that I'm supposed to homeschool and do work as well. And I've not been afraid to be open with my peers or my management team 
which hours I'm on or off. Also, I'm co-chair of the Women in Technology and Operations Network, which again is a great set of people who are passionate about helping each other. Last but not least, you know, I've got the Mums Book Club at school. You know, they let me know what's happening uh, at school that I should have been catching up on the school gates to get, but, you know, they keep me informed. So the network, you know, is there in all sorts of different places and, you know, in all sorts of different ways. Often when people think of support networks, they think of something incredibly formal when actually it can sometimes be just that friendly face at the school gates. Because otherwise it's so easy to think you're not doing everything and you can't be everything to everyone. You know, you are you are juggling, but you're being open with people. And I think that's really important that you should be working in an environment where you can be yourself. You can bring your whole self to work and not hide uh, parts of your life. So I think that's that's kind of key. I agree. Selena, we, we have to ask, because our women are, are incredibly interested, what technology developments are you most excited about right now? Outside of work, very excited about space exploration, things from like computational chemistry to wearable tech. So I think my key message for anyone, even if you're not thinking about going into technology, is that we all as a society need to understand what are we doing with tech. Um, you know, being consumers of technology means we can't be ignorant of what the implications are of using it and the ethics behind it as well. Selena, is there anything that you wish I'd asked throughout this podcast? Um, I think the one thing is about social justice and uh, race in the workplace. I'm South Asian with the kind of events in the US um, this year and the reaction and the energy about kind of racial equality and making a difference. I think that's something that um, is really important to us at Bank of America. Brian Moynihan has led kind of the, the reaction with a $1 billion commitment over the next four years to help racial equality um, access to healthcare, education, et cetera. So I was really proud to see Bank of America leading the way um, in that space. And I'm really excited to see and hopeful for the future for the next generation coming through of what change um, can be made. Yeah, our, our community uh, is uh, predominantly BAME. You know, we, we feel we have a, a very important duty to ensure that we deliver the you know the most number of kind of opportunities, also support as well um, to a co- community of women um, that you know really really wants to break into technology. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I, I think that's where we uh, we draw our first ever Code First Girls podcast to a close. Selena, thank you so much for joining us. You are a pioneer. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm um, so excited um, about this. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And to everyone listening, this is a community effort. So please send us a message with thoughts, comments, or even if you have ideas for future episodes. You can find us at at CodeFirstGirls on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you enjoyed the show, please, please take a moment to give us five stars on your podcast app of choice. 
and share with a friend. I'm sending this straight to Michelle Obama after, after we're done, as I'm sure Selena is as well. Thank you very much and goodbye.